us on episode number 50 of the Real Life Runners podcast. Today we're going to be talking about GPS watches and running technology and all these trackers that everybody has nowadays. Are they good or are they bad? What are the pros and cons? And what are some of the benefits of training with a watch or without a watch? Maybe sometimes you should do both. This is the Real Life Runners Podcast, and we're your hosts, Kevin and Angie Brown. Thanks for spending some time with us today. Now let's get running. So I started thinking about this topic this week when we were talking to some of our cross-country kids. Cross-country season has been going for a couple of weeks now, but school just started last week, so our team just ballooned in size, which is so awesome. It's it's fantastic, but now, like, every day at practice, we're out there telling the kids they need to go get a watch. Right. So one of our requirements on our team is you should have a watch. It doesn't need to be a fancy watch, but it needs to have a timer. And even better, if it can count down and do an interval timer, that's even better. But you don't need some sort of fancy GPS watch in order to be on the team, but just having a watch is very helpful. Meanwhile, the two of us are standing there with fancy GPS watches strapped to our wrists and ready to roll. Right. And we love our GPS watches. I mean, they are fantastic. But it just got me thinking because the kids, technically, they're allowed to train with GPS watches, but in a race, they are not allowed. They're illegal in cross-country races. Yes, they, they've had to make this official rule banning GPS watches. And technically, you can have the watch, but you have to disable the GPS feature on it. Do you think they'd actually check that? At like the state level, I yeah. feel like another coach would have to file a protest that the kid had a GPS watch, and then they'd have to check it. It seems like way too many ways to get around it. Well, because you can actually disable the GPS feature. I actually went through my watch the other day and figured out how to disable GPS. So it's definitely something you can do. It's very doable, but if you wanted to cheat the system, you cross the finish line and you just click delete and that exercise never existed. Right. And you can just show them that GPS is disabled. Yeah. But then what would be the point of doing it if you delete it? Well, because the whole time during the race, you have constant updates on how fast you're going. Ah, okay. But but then it, you delete it and it's gone forever and that's just horrible. Yeah, but if you just won the state meet because you were able to cheat and use your GPS watch, you still win. <laughs> do you? Yeah. Do there's... you still win or did you <laughs> do just you? cheat everybody? No, you cheated. Right. So overall, we love our GPS watches and training with the new running technology that is out there is absolutely fantastic. These watches can tell you your time, your distance, your pace. They are so helpful to figure out training levels and exertion and all sorts of fun stuff and your heart rate. I mean, I used to sell shoes and work in all these shoe stores. So every time like a new version of a, of like an upgraded watch would come out, I would get the, I work at a shoe store discount on it. I've had, I've had foot pods and chest straps. I've had all sorts of different things and they're fun. I'm a numbers guy. I like having all this various information coming at me, Yeah, but you know, up until recently I was a big fan of strapping on the, the basic, you know, Timex stopwatch onto my wrist yeah you just got a gps watch last year for safety purposes for more safety than anything purposes right so that we could track you on your runs to make sure that you're safe exactly but i mean my main restraint on what i needed out of a watch before was i wanted to have at least 26 intervals so if i ran a marathon i could time every mile 
Oh, that was that was the only thing I wanted. Like I didn't. Yeah. I needed to have more than ten laps. I needed to have at least twenty six. Yeah, so that you get all your splits. And they make one that has 30, 30 splits on it. Yeah, and I think yours had fifty too. Possibly. Ooh, I may may have splurged. <laughs> so these constant pace and heart rate checks can provide a lot of valuable information, both for you or for your coaches, if you're using a coach. And you can pre-program workouts for simplicity. I love doing that personally on my watch. I I program my workout ahead of time. And when I'm out on my run, my watch beeps at me to tell me when it's time to start the next interval, or it beeps at me to tell me if I'm going too fast or too slow. And those things can be really helpful, but they can also be a little annoying at times. Well, yeah, especially if you got like a big group and everybody's got beeps going off all over the place. Yeah, (laughs) those are funny because sometimes people's watches, like when I'm running with my group, people's watches will totally beep randomly, and you're like, "Well, what is that? That we didn't just hit a mile." Like, we're like, "Should we stop? Are we speeding up? Are we slowing down? What's going on?" Yeah, so like, there's too much beeping going on. Um, I mean, I've been I've been working with a watch that has a countdown timer for years and years. I mean, back to when I was in high school, I used to have workouts that we did various things of like run this for five minutes and then take a little break. Like that was like high school summer training. We right. had we had interval training put into that. So mm-hmm. there's a very good purpose of having at least some form of timers on there. Right, and like we said to the kids even today at at practice. They the the intervals, especially for new runners, we do a lot of interval training for new runners, like a walk run or a um, a run easy jog. Like do a, doing a lot of interval work can help people get in shape faster. And especially if you're on the cross country team or if you live in an area where it's not easy to kind of map things out, doing time based workouts are very very great tools. And we do tons of time-based workouts in our training. I mean, I would send the cross-country kids on time-based workouts most days if I knew that they would all actually have a watch on their wrist. Right. So like, you know, when we say time-based, we're like, okay, go out and run at a moderate pace for five minutes and then take a one minute break. Instead of having to try to map out half mile repeats or quarter mile repeats, especially if you don't have a GPS watch. And I just think that it's not necessary to have that in order to be a runner. I mean, part of the beauty of running is that all you really need is a pair of running shoes and you can go out and you can run anywhere and you can get good workouts in using these time-based intervals. You don't have to have, you know, a specific quarter mile or half mile or mile repeats, you know, plugged out, you know, mapped out Ahead of time. Yeah, you don't need a track. You don't need a ton of fancy equipment. If you have, if you have a stopwatch and some shoes, you can really do just about any workout. You just kind of adjust it, and it's it's a time based workout. You can get phenomenal workouts. One of my early coaching influences said when he was in college, they never had a steady run mm-hmm. ever. Like even their super easy recovery days where they changed the pace every two minutes. Okay. Like it was a big group run and they were like, all right, now we're going to go to this pace. And it was just constant change of pace. Uh-huh. You have to have a watch in order to pull that thing off. Yeah. If you're going to try to do it in a structured way, for sure. Right. So watches can definitely provide that structure and those numbers that are super duper helpful in training. So now with some of the technology that's out there, heart rate training and heart rate zone training is a big thing. 
it's able to take heart rate training that's been around at like the elite level for so long. Yeah, when and, everybody had to run with chest straps. I mean, I I remember when coach opened up the box of them at practice back when I was in high school. And, really? Oh yeah, like the top eight kids on the team all got a chest strap, Ooh. and then so, you know you had to make sure you were running fast enough on the team that you got your own strap. The problem was is that you know this was the early version of then the strap had to talk to the thing on your wrist, so now you had like a watch on one wrist and then. And the heart rate thing on the other wrist. Oh, because it, it was just a straight heart rate monitor. It was like there just was no a, watch. There was or no anything. watch. It was a heart rate monitor that talked to what looked like a watch, but all it did was tell you your heart rate. Yeah. But if you were running too close to the guy next to you, it would tell you his heart rate. Oh, <laughs> that's funny. So like we used it every once in a while, but the workouts were chaos because everybody in the group was at all sorts of different levels. And I was like, uh, coach, mine, mine says I'm at 60 because you weren't picking up yours. You were picking up the one of the guy standing next to you. Like as you went running by it, just, it was, it was a mess early on. Right. So heart rate training zones have been around for a very long time, especially with elites because elite professional runners had access to more of this technology versus just the common, you know, man and woman. If it's a bell and whistle, the pros are going at it real early. The pros, anything they can do to get that extra tiny advantage is happening. Now, you don't even have to spend that much money at all to put a basic heart rate monitor around yourself. Oh, no. I mean, definitely way under $100 nowadays. And it gives you the wrist-based heart rate technology so you even have to have that annoying strap i used to hate wearing that remember when we had that old polar oh yeah like back you know, 10 years ago when we started this yes yeah, yeah. i mean the and, and the that foot one pod that went with and the it. foot pod that went with yeah. it and then the foot pod stopped working but you'd still rock the chest strap and <laughs> you had to get good good contact with your chest you'd have to like lick the back of it to make sure it was sticking on you <laughs> oh yeah yes we did. Uh, don't give me a funny look you had to lick oh, the back God, of it totally so that it would did. contact your skin better <laughs> I know what I'm talking about. All right, so let's talk about some of the pros and cons of heart rate training because that is one of the big things that people use this technology for. Okay, so heart rate training forces you to stay in these quote-unquote zones. So if you're going off for an easy run you know, the zone tells you that it has to be easy. You stay under a certain level and your body says, oh, well, that's that's my easy zone. Mm-hmm. And those runs are not always easy. You know, I, I know for me and then for a lot of other people, sometimes when you're running in that easy zone, it feels too slow for some people. And I've heard that complaint from a lot of my friends that are doing some heart rate training is that on their easy days, like their, their easy days are torture because they feel like they're running so slow that their form is off and they're running kind of differently than they normally run in order to try to keep the heart rate down. It take it took me a long time to figure out how to run at a slower pace without my form getting completely thrown out the window. Okay. Like it it is hard. It's one of the the advantages. I was reading something about these like, you know, elite African runners and it said that they look so smooth regardless of pace. Mm-hmm. If they're cranking out 4-minute miles or they're doing 10 minute miles, they look with the exact same perfectly smooth form. Mm-hmm. It's literally just the length of their stride that changes. So do you have any tips for us on how to make that happen? Because I know my form changes. I think I've gotten better. My my slower pace running form has gotten better. I don't shuffle as much as I used to, but I definitely know that my form is much better when I'm going faster versus when I'm going slower. I think everybody's form 
is going to improve somewhat because when you're going faster, you have to be running as efficiently as possible. You just don't have time for your foot to kick out to the side or your arm to slide just a little bit funky. Like you've got to be very linear. You've got to be very compact and, and be moving forward at a slower pace you almost have so much time that your body's like, well, I need to do something with my arms besides just slide it forward and they just start moving all over the place. Mm -hmm. So, you know, focusing on the simplicity of what running is, Mm -hmm. you know, and it should still keep you in a a very comfortable zone, but just focus on the simplicity of running. Okay, but here's something else that I'm thinking. Okay. When you are focusing on your running form, that by definition, takes some of the ease out of your running, doesn't it? Very much so. Right, because it it reduces your efficiency because you're trying to focus and correct certain things. So then does that easy run not become as easy because then you're trying to change your form and focus more on improving your form? Well, I mean, it's it's still easy cardiovascularly. It's it's pretty easy on your muscles. It's kind of a tricky mental run if you're spending a large portion of it trying to fix your form. Mm-hmm. You know, I wouldn't spend the entire run trying to make sure that your arms and legs are swinging exactly yeah, correctly. Yeah, just do a portion of the run. Exactly, because that's yeah. just going to be mentally exhausting. And yeah. sometimes if you have a hard workout the day before and the day after that one, you don't want to be all mentally focused throughout that entire run. Right, right. So like Kevin was saying, the benefits of the heart rate zones is easy days are your they force you to actually make your easy days easy sorry i got a little verbally no you nailed that tongue-tied there and when your hard days are hard your heart rate is going to reflect that your heart rate is going to go way up when you're actually pushing yourself so it's a good indicator of the effort level that you are putting forth yeah and you can't kind of lie to yourself and be like no 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 that was totally hard cuz your heart rate is going to reflect it accordingly so it it right. should at least yeah, reflect like it when you came back with like 112 average <laughs> like, on I don't... your like 16 mile run at 7 minute pace i don't think my watch was working correctly. Oh, and I don't day. think my watch is working correctly either that or I'm just a freaking f- amazing human freak of nature. Yeah, no, watch was just not working quite right. <laughs> I did, I should have licked the back of it. <laughs> Maybe if you licked it, that would have helped. Right. So, so heart rate zones, they help you. They, they also take into consideration if you're tired, if you're sick, if you didn't get enough sleep, if you're stressed out because it's exercise is an added stress on your body. It's a good stress in most circumstances if you're not overdoing it. But it's still a stress. So if you're not really taking care of those other areas of your life, it's going to reflect in your heart rate. What might seem like that pace should be an easy pace for you might feel really hard one day and your heart rate might be higher than it normally is on that given day. I mean, I know I've done that where I've taken off on a run, didn't get enough sleep the night before, and my heart rate just leaps up really quick on the run. I'm only mm-hmm. a minute in and it's it's all the way up there. Yeah, you know, I'm all like, the way up to 112. No, <laughs> <laughs> Up to 140. Come on, let's be let's be honest here. Up to 140. Normally, it takes me close to you know mile or a couple to get there, and you know I'm at like the end of our street, and I'm like, oh well, maybe I should have just slept for an extra hour and skipped this morning run. Right, right. So, like you were saying, in in the outline that you wrote out, like sometimes the watch is a crutch, right? So this pro is that it helps you stay in the correct zone. So what's the cons then of the heart rate training? You lose your own ability to. Feel what easy, medium, hard, what what effort actually feels like. Well, I mean, I think that we all can tell when it's hard. Yeah. You can feel when it's hard, no matter what 
Even if you're looking at your heart rate zone, don't you think? You can feel when it's hard. Can you feel when it's easy? Can you feel different levels of medium? Like that's, that's Ooh, what... Different levels of medium. Exactly. Like there's a lot of people that in their training, they just go out and they, they run every day. They mm-hmm. do the same loop. They do the same loop at the same pace right. every day. That's their thing. Mm-hmm. The question is how many different training zones do you actually have? I don't know. How many? I mean, when... How many zones are there? A there, lot. There's a lot. You were talking about this the other day. Like, mm-hmm. should we, you know, try and suggest to people, you know, our, our own athletes that there's like easy, medium, and hard. There's three zones. Mm-hmm. Well, like, that's what we use for a lot of our coaching clients and our athletes and our our cross country runners is we try to explain that one to five level. And if you, if you have questions about the effort level, you can go back and listen to episode number 10. There's a lot more detailed information about effort level training in that episode. But basically we give our athletes a, a, a level of one to five and you know, one is very easy. Most, most likely like a walk for most people. Level two is an easy jog for some people that are just starting out. Level two might just be a really fast walk. Level three is kind of a medium pace. Level four is a harder pace. And level five is like an all-out sprint pace. So there's a lot of gray area. That's really not a lot of numbers to describe a whole lot of different paces. So there's other scales that you can look at too. There's the rating of perceived exertion, which is a very scientifically based scale that has been used in countless number number of research studies out there. And the original RPE for some reason went from like six to twenty, which I That's still the best. don't understand. It goes from six to twenty. Why would you start it at six? Like <laughs> what's the easiest level possible? Six. Six. Like I don't <laughs> understand that. But the modified RPE is from one to ten. So that to me is a little bit easier to understand uh, as a physical therapist that, you know, the pain scale is from, is from zero to 10. So I think that gives a little bit more of gray area. But what, when I was, when I brought this up to you, I said, why don't we have more, more levels or more zones? And, and what was your response to me? Because it's hard for people to even find three different levels. How are you going to tell them to find 10 different levels? So, but why do you think it's hard to find those three levels? What? Well, when you first get into running, running itself, any running hurts. It's like, well, this is really uncomfortable. You know, in in cross-country season, we've got all these kids. They did absolutely nothing all summer. It's South Florida, so it's like 4,000 degrees outside. And <laughs> the we're surface like, of the sun. Yeah, we're running on the surface of the sun. And we're like, hey, go out for, for three easy miles. Mm-hmm. Nothing is easy for them. Because yeah, and they, they come a, back in like 48 minutes. Right. And they're like, oh, that was so hard. I'm like, well, I was supposed to be an easy run. Oh, but it's so hot. And it's like, well, what, what is an easy run for them? Right. You right. know, whereas you get a guy who's actually been training, you change the weather. And today we had a day that happened to have some cloud coverage yeah. throughout most of the run. And easy changes. Mm-hmm. So you need to have a feel for what easy actually is, what medium actually is. I would argue that you have a whole bunch of different effort levels based off of different races. Excuse the interruption, but I just had to pop in and let you know about an upcoming workshop that we're hosting inside the Real Life Runners Academy. 
If you're someone that's ever struggled with thoughts or beliefs that are getting in your way, or you think you're self-sabotaging yourself and you can't understand why you're doing things that you don't want to do or not doing things that you know you should be doing or want to be doing, this message is for you. We're hosting a special academy workshop May 14th, and we're bringing in an expert in neuro-linguistic programming, Ms. Megan Blacksmith. And she's going to be teaching us how the thoughts that we have can either be helping us in our life or holding us back. And we want to invite you, our amazing podcast listeners, to join us. So you don't have to be a member of the Academy to join us this month. You can join for a small one-time fee by going over to realliferunners.com forward slash workshop. If you are a current Academy member, this and all of our monthly workshops and all experts, that's all already included in your current membership. So if you are a current member, do not go to the website and repurchase because it's already included with your membership. But if you want to join just for the workshop, check it out over at realliferunners.com slash workshop today. Now, back to the show. But then that would require you to have race experience in order to find those levels, wouldn't it? Well, yeah, I mean, it, or a lot of creativity and imagination. Creativity and imagination. Yeah. Well, I mean, the you still have this range. The bigger the range is, the more numbers you can put it over, you put the lowest level as like walking. And if walking is strenuous, then you've got to come up with a level where you're walking even slower than that. You know, when you talk about new runners getting into this and they're at like level one or two and two is still walking – how how many levels do you get to before you're at that pace where it's the pace you would run if a bear was attacking you? Right. So then really easy is anywhere from one to three and medium is anywhere from four to six and hard is anywhere from seven to nine and 10 is a 10. 10 so is then, a 10. So then that takes us basically right back down to five levels again. Right, which is why, zones. which is why, when with a lot of our athletes, the answer is, oh, what effort level is this? You type three and a half all the time, mm-hmm. because we really have a scale of one to ten. Because right. it's it's a three and a half, it's yeah. a four plus, like right. it's it's almost ten, mm-hmm. but not quite. Right, right. So we'll have to figure out if if people think that. What do you guys think? Let us know. Send us an email, support at realliferunners.com. Let us know. Do you think it's better to be on a scale of 1 to 5 or a scale of 1 to 10 for effort level? So another thing about being tied to a watch is you see people that are out there and all they do is stare at their watch the entire time they're running. Like I I have some friends that do this. All they do is just stare at their watch and, and make sure that they're in the zone as they're running. Yeah, that that's not making for a fun running partner. Well, and it's dangerous too. Like, <laughs> I mean, if if you're constantly looking at your watch, like you might not be paying attention to stuff around you. You might trip on a stick or over a bump in the sidewalk. Like that, you could get hurt. Yeah, and and you're not 
feeling what your body actually feels like. Right. Like, what are your legs feeling? How hard are you actually breathing? You're simply concerned about what are what is the digits on my watch, mm-hmm. and it's you have no idea how you actually feel. You know, right. the watch says it's medium, but what does that mean to your body? Yeah, you're relying on an external feedback instead of the internal feedback that you should be getting from your body. If you want to combo this, great, but actually put the effort forth to combo it. Mm-hmm. Say, okay, I'm training in this heart rate zone and then spend some time trying to figure out what your your body actually feels like to go through that. Mm-hmm. You know, how how hard are you trying to push that? What do your legs feel like? How hard are you breathing? Are, do you mentally have to be focused to stay in that pace? Or are you trying to, like, you can totally just check out and that pace just naturally flows. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of things going on here. Right. But... So the the watch doesn't give you perfect feedback either. That's the other annoying thing is sometimes your heart rate will – you'll be in the middle of a run and your heart rate will just jump up or, or totally fall and you're like, well, what is going on there? That's clearly not ha- actually what's happening. Right, yeah. If, if you are rarely checking your heart rate and then one time you glance down and it's like, well, I'm six miles in and it looks like my heart rate's at 55. It's yeah. probably not. Right. I've, I notice this more when I do my strength training workouts because – I have more time to actually look at my watch during those. Yeah. And I know that once I go through a hard thing, sometimes I'll look down at my watch and I'll say my heart rate is like 80 or 90 something. And I actually check it because I know how to take my own heart rate and by, <laughs> by counting my pulse. And it'll be like 150 it'll or 140. And I'm like, oh, well, that stinks because I'm clearly not getting as many calories or whatever that I'm supposed to be burning. <laughs> <laughs> but we already talked about the, the errors in that, you know, but it, it was totally reading my heart rate completely wrong, not just by a couple beats per minute, like by leaps and bounds and three zones away. Yeah, it's it's not even close. I mean, I know there are there are a couple of stretches on on the different loops that I do in the morning that are really dark. Like there's one stretch that I do not like going by cuz the sprinklers are always on, so I have to go on the other side of the road and it is super dark. And it's not it's not dangerous because it's like this friendly little neighborhood. There's not it's not down the middle of a street. I'm not going to get run over by a car, but it's really dark there. And I've come through it and I'm not pushing the pace, but I can feel at the end that I'm breathing heavier than I'm than I should be. Mm-hmm. And so a couple of times I've done this stretch and I look down at my watch and my heart rate has jumped. Mm-hmm. Because the body was like, wait, hold on, this this feels like danger. Your and fight so, or flight response exactly. kicked in. Fight or flight kicked in because I ran through a dark patch and my brain went, ooh, this is dangerous. We should elevate your you heart rate and get you ready. Oh, that's crazy. And, and I, but I got through the zone. I, I didn't get through the zone and check my heart rate. I got through the zone and went, I feel like I'm breathing harder than normal and I definitely did not pick up the pace. If anything, I slowed down mm-hmm. because it was extra dark and I didn't want to trip over that speed bump that I know is right in the middle of it. Right. And I got to the other side and my heart rate was up. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you've got things that are messing with it that are not necessarily affecting your, your zones. You know, the, the watch on your wrist is not perfect. It's also not instant feedback either. Mm-hmm. Right. And the other th- air thing that we've talked about before is that the heart rate zones that you're in, if, if you're supposed to be training in certain zones, all of that is relatively 
it has a built-in error to it as well because it assumes that you are you know exactly what your max heart rate is so that you know exactly what all these training zones are and there is just inherent error in that like does it really matter if you're so if zone three goes from 140 beats per minute to 155 beats per minute and you average 156 like it puts you in zone four technically does that completely change the benefit that you got from that run if you were actually at 156 versus 154 oh yeah the, the, at some point, this is the problem with zone training. Is like, yay, I'm in the green. I'm not in the orange or the red. You yeah, know, there's a break there. I mean, it's a numbers game, so there has to be a, a break where one number is in zone three and one number is in zone four, or one is zone two. You know, recovery is supposed to be in zone two according to my watch. And for for a while, I forget it keeps changing my max heart rate on the watch. Mm-hmm. Um, but for a while, the cutoff was exactly at 140 for me where I went from zone two to zone three. Mm -hmm. And so if I could keep it in the 130s, I was in zone two. So I'd hit a run and it was average heart rate, 139. And Mm -hmm. the next run was like average heart rate, 140. Right. Were those You're in a totally different zone? Were those different? Did I get completely different training benefits right. out of that? Exactly. I, I just don't think I did. Yeah, I just don't think a, so. Any more than you know, doing mile repeats. Does it matter if I hit it at eight minutes or if I hit it in seven fifty-five? Mm-hmm. Is there a huge difference between those two numbers? Exactly, and that's one of the reasons that effort training is so good. And in in those cases, I think superior to those specific paces because you know if you're pushing at a certain level or not, right? I mean, th- does that five seconds matter? I mean, if someone, if you're trying to hit a PR, if you're trying to hit a specific time in a given race, training paces are fantastic, right? I mean, all those if, things are very If helpful. the goal is very, very numbers-based, PR-based, then yes, numbers are super helpful for your training. You can still get yourself in ridiculously good shape doing a whole lot of effort-based training. Mm-hmm. Run this medium, run this hard, run this as though you're racing a 5K, mm-hmm. run this as though you were racing a 10K. Yeah. You know, that's why race experience is, I think, really helpful to, to improving as a runner. Yeah. You know, don't shy away from races because they're good learning experience is like what what does it feel like to race for six miles right so sometimes your watch can be a crutch where you are relying on that external feedback in order to tell you how you're feeling on your run but we also have another side that is your watch can also be an anchor so that is something that's almost holding you back in some ways and and in what ways do you think the watch can sometimes be an anchor? Well, this goes further off of what we were just going over is the, the zones that you have to run in, what are they based off of? You know, this is a super problem for people who are coming off of a longer break for newer runners. That zone is based off of where they started. But if you're progressing pretty rapidly, those zones should be changing. And unless it is constantly adjusting and saying, oh, wait, this is a new new way of looking at the zones, new way of looking at the zones, that watch is holding you back. Okay. What do you mean, though? I mean, like we, we did talk about this a little bit when we were talking about our cross-country kids and how they just make such rapid progressions in the beginning. So what you're saying is if they had a watch that was measuring their heart rate, that if we prescribe certain zones for them to be in, that wouldn't necessarily be the best training plan for them because we're not exactly sure what good of shape they're in. Exactly. Their zones are going to change 
over the course of a month, okay. like which zone they should be in. But and what about for established runners? Even for established runners, it's sometimes it's it's nice to push out of this zone. Sometimes it's nice to to not look and figure out what your heart rate is and just say, hey, today I'm going to go for a medium steady state run. Mm-hmm. You know, I did this the other day. I I usually. You know, as as much as we're talking right now of don't tie yourself to the heart rate, that's usually the screen on my watch that I have is mm-hmm. I don't look at the pace that I'm running as much of. I kind of glance down every once in a while and check my heart rate. Mm-hmm. Um, but on this one, I changed the screen. I didn't want to see my heart rate at all. I was just like, hey, let's just go for a pretty good medium solid effort through this entire run. And we'll let the heart rate go where it is. And it got a little bit higher than I probably would have if I I was looking at the heart rate screen. Yeah. But I think I still got good benefit out of that run. Mm-hmm. You know, that wasn't a giant waste of my time. It, it felt great. It was an awesome mental run because I just, I, I was pushing through discomfort. Not huge, like oh, agonizing pain. It wasn't like a race, but it was just pushing through a level of like, decent discomfort and just kept pushing the pace. Yeah. I kind of did that on one of my runs last week too. I did that 20 minute tempo run and I really tried not to look at my watch too much. I looked down a couple of times just to see how much of the tempo run I had left time wise, (laughs) since it was a a time based, it was a 20 minute run, but I really wasn't focused too much on my pace. Granted, I did have my pace alarm set so that if it was beeping at me to let me know if I was too fast or too slow, that that was happening. Um, And it was beeping at me to tell me that I was going too fast, which was pretty exciting to me. Um, But I didn't adjust my pace because of that and and fall backwards. I just said, okay, I want to push for this, this tempo pace for this 20 minutes, I want to push myself and I'm going to see what I can do with that. You are much more technologically savvy than me. I don't even know how to set a tempo alarm on my watch. I'll show like, you. I'm sure that I could do it and it's all sorts of cool bells and whistles. Yeah, you have to do it in the app. I'm sure. But <laughs> I just turned my watch on and I started running. I was like, you know what? I'm going to go for six miles. And at the beginning, I was like, yeah, I wonder how fast that one was. And it, it beeped at me every mile. And the first couple, I was looking at it and I was like, oh. I'm moving pretty good today. And then I know where six miles is. Like I know where all of my mile splits are because I've run the course so many times. I've run this loop around the neighborhood. I I know how far I have to get. And by the end of it, I wasn't even checking my watch. By the end, I was hitting coping strategies of Mm. now I've got to get to this point. Now I've got to get to this point. Like don't look at the watch because that's going to tell you exactly how much time it's still going to take you to get there. Mm. Just run to that tree and now run to that signpost. Like I was into that level by the end of it is I don't want to look at the watch. I don't want any of that. I know... I know my current level of discomfort, um, somewhere around like a seven, <laughs> depending on what scale you're looking at. And it, it's uncomfortable because I've been going for four miles already and, mm-hmm. and I, I would like to be done, but I still have two miles to go. Right. Well, that's interesting what you just brought up about the different mental coping strategies. So in a way, your watch can prevent you from developing some of those mental coping strategies because you're just staring at the the time on the watch and the pace on the watch and it's not allowing you to develop that feel of your body and some of those other mental coping strategies that you might use to try to block out some of the discomfort. When you you take the watch out and you don't worry about what zone you're in, it lets you 
treat running and treat different workouts as experiments. It lets you kind of say, hey, I wonder if I can go this fast without worrying which heart rate zone you're in, without worrying exactly what the pace is. Just get a feel for your body and say, hey, I want to take it to this level of effort and see if I can hold on for this long. You know, I see it in the kids when we give them workouts and they try and really push the last one. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, well, I've hit my pace all the way along on this, but let's really crank the last one. Yeah. Because they're just curious about Mm -hmm. it. And sometimes it drives me nuts because I'm like, oh, they're going to be so sore tomorrow. And sometimes it's like, well, you know, they're kids and they're experimenting. They're having fun with running. So big picture, that's a good thing. Right. You know, it's nice to... You have to have the right mind frame on it, though, of don't be so limited of my watch and my training plan says I have to be in this heart rate zone and hitting this pace. Like, I feel like going hard. Let's see what happens. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like I feel like sometimes the watch can almost take the fun out of it. Like sometimes I think it's really fun to hit certain paces and see the results of my watch. And then after I get home from my run, I look at my watch and it makes me feel good and feel proud. But on the other hand, sometimes I think it kind of takes the fun out of it. Like it takes that experimentation, like what you're talking about. Like when you just go out and try to figure something out or you just go out and go on a fun run with your buddies and, you know, find whatever pace your body wants to run at that day. Yeah, I mean, I did that a lot when we were out in California. I didn't worry about what my heart rate was and my pace was when I'd go off running through hills. Mm -hmm. It was like, I want to do this hill run that I used to do when I lived in California. Let's let's just go go have some fun, enjoy some some beautiful scenery. Mm -hmm. And that's what I did too. And it was it was great. It was so nice. Like when I did the Napa to Sonoma race, like I had no expectations of myself because we're just not used to the hills. And I knew it was going to be a lot of hills out there. I knew that we are going to take that cross country flight the day before the race. Like I was not expecting any sort of pace or anything from myself. I just went out with the whole goal to have fun and it was so much fun. And I ended up running great, but it was just fun. And it was so nice not to just have that pressure and to just experiment and just run however my body decided it wanted to run that day and without being tied to my watch. Yeah, I know. In the outline, I called this like the the watch can be an anchor because sometimes you don't want to go beyond the zone that you're supposed to be in to the upper level. Right. But well, because sometimes you don't know if like if you go to that upper level, are you going to be able to sustain it? That's why you know? running is a giant experiment. Right. Because like, I know sometimes you'll give me zones or whatnot and paces for some of my other runs. And I'm like, okay, well, this is a zone. So if I am a little faster than this zone or if I'm at the lower end of the zone, how am I going to feel on repeat number four or five? Am I going to still be able to hit those things? And so sometimes I do think that I, I hold back some on the beginning intervals like especially if you have me doing some repeats or something like that sometimes I will hold back a little bit so that I will have more left in the tank for later on and depending on what the workout is sometimes there's good mental benefits of holding back on the beginning Mm -hmm. you know if you're training for a longer race like a half marathon, a marathon, the opening couple of miles should not be that hard. Mm -hmm. Like they just really shouldn't be that painful your first few miles of a full marathon Mm -hmm. because you're trying to run 26. If you're spent at mile two, it's not going well. It's not going to be a fun day. (laughs) It's it's not working well for you. But then there's other times that I'll go out and I'll try to knock off some fast ones while I'm fresh and then just kind of see 
how I'll be able to hang on later on in the later intervals. And, and it's you get great benefits on both of them, mm-hmm. and both of them are good mental training. It's just different mental training. On If you push real hard at the beginning, it's like, well, it's running my 5K effort, but it's mile repeats, and I keep getting breaks. So I should be able to go a little bit faster, and you can. And you can, you can test it out, and you can try coping strategies and take it out really fast, you know, it, and then see if your body can still hold on at the end of it. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, maybe you want to practice trying to, to head out slow and close really hard. Like it just depends on what it is that you're trying to, mm-hmm. to mentally gain out of it. Mm-hmm. You know, there's so much mental training associated with this. And I think that's one of the big things that you lose when you're spending most of your workout staring at your watch. Yeah, I would agree with that too. Another thing I think that when we were talking about this is how easy should easy be? I mean, this is, I'm not sure exactly how this is related, but it is related. Yeah, no. I mean, what is an easy pace is such a tricky question. Right. I've considered doing like an entire episode on what is an easy pace. I think we should. It's such a hard question to answer because it varies so much from person to person and day to day. A lot of people in easy pace should be walking, maybe brisk walking, but Mm -hmm. walking. Right, depending on your effort level and your experience level and all of that. But you you wrote something interesting in here that says, how many levels of easy can you find? Yeah. What does that mean? Well, I mean, today I went out for a run. The cross-country kids were out, and I went the opposite direction of them. So I passed basically everybody on the team. And everybody today was supposed to be feeling an easy pace, myself included. Everybody was supposed to be going easy pace. And I shot past some of them and they were like, whoa, coach, you're moving. And relative to this kid who's been running for a week, yes, I'm moving pretty quick, Mm -hmm. but it's still an easy pace for me because I have a variety of easy paces. Like I... I I know what I have coming up this week. I know what I've done recently. I know how much sleep I've got. So I have like the pace that like my marathon pace is pretty relatively easy if I'm only going to do five miles. Mm -hmm. There's a pace that's slower than that. There's a pace that's like, okay, I really need to recover. There's like the jogging pace between intervals of a workout, Mm -hmm. you know, quarter like a quarter hard and then jog, that jog is real slow, mm-hmm. nice recovery. Mm-hmm. And then there's taking it even further to a brisk walk, to a walk. Like there's so many levels of or easy. stopping. Stopping. Yeah, like we had our kids do half mile repeats last week and they just literally stood around in between their intervals and, and without jogging at all. Yeah, as long as they didn't sit down because that just makes the next interval all that much more painful. Yeah. So there are so many different, there's so much gray area in running and sometimes the watch and the technology can blur that and and make it more difficult for you to try to figure some of that gray area out I think that's kind of your point with that question yes it it takes out a lot of the mental training and it makes you think that as long as you're in this zone then you get these magical benefits Mm -hmm. it goes back to to what we say all the time of there there's not a magic workout that if you do this workout you get this result that's just not how it works Mm -hmm. oh that's so funny that you say that because the other day on instagram somebody posted I, i i had posted something and someone commented Oh, someone told me that if I was able to hit 12 half mile repeats at my marathon finishing time, 
that I'd be ready for the marathon. It's Yasso 800s. Oh, is that what it is? Yeah. Oh, there you go. That, that's the workout. Is supposedly you take your marathon time. Mm-hmm. So and you let's hit say a half mile in that time. You do half mile repeats right. at that pace. So if you're trying to hit like four hours for the marathon, you're doing repeats in four minutes. Right. That's their their Yasso 800s. Oh, okay. It's classic workout. Classic workout. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So so she was just talking about that, but that in her mind, like someone had said, if if you can do this workout, then you're ready for the marathon. Well, I mean, so many different people have like the the workout predictors. That's a classic yeah. one. The Hanson brothers have like their workout predictor that okay. instead of running 26.2 miles, you run 26.2 kilometers mm-hmm. at your marathon pace. And mm-hmm. like you hit all of your, your like fueling and everything, but you just do everything in kilometers instead of miles. Okay. That's, that's there. If you can hit that, then you're set. Mm-hmm. Everybody's got to hit something. It's all a way of tricking your brain into thinking that you're ready for it. Mm-hmm. It's, it's mental training. There's so much to the mental. The watch takes a lot of that away. Yeah. So to wrap it up, basically there are huge benefits of having this technology at our fingertips it really does help with, you know, the heart rate training and the pacing. All of that are very, those features are all very, very helpful and can benefit you a lot in your training. However, effort-based training and learning the internal feedback that your body is giving you instead of relying on this external feedback, learning your body, learning what feel different effort levels feel like in your body is super important. So if you train with a watch or different running technology, don't let that technology supersede your own body's awareness and your own ability to gauge your intensity level and your effort level and develop some of these different mental strategies to help you get through your runs on any given day. Yeah, I think you've got it nailed there. Your your watch is a watch. It's not your brain. You still have to actually use your brain and, and learn more about yourself. It, it works in, in everything. It works in running. It, it works in trying to, to eat as well. You know, mm-hmm. you can't just be like, well, no, no, no. This is the exact strict diet. I mean, don't right. don't even start me on diet. We're, we're going a little well, long and, now and, and you'll get flowing here. Well, and macro ratios and those kind of yeah, things I, too. Oh, no, know? I need to eat exactly this many calories and I need to eat this much protein and this much. No. You you gotta feel for you gotta make your brain work and feel how your body actually feels. Mm-hmm. Whether you're you're off running, whether you're trying to figure out how much sleep you actually need, right. all of these different things, you have to get a feel for what your body needs, mm-hmm. wants, and and when it's feeling good, when it's not feeling good. Don't just rely on hard fast numbers to to do the do it for you. Mm-hmm. Actually actually get a feel for your body. Yeah. Yeah, learn yourself, learn what's good for you, and figure out health. Make health your number one priority instead of the exact training pace and the exact distance and PR and numbers and all of that. Like, feel good about your body and your ability. I don't think we have a lot of Olympians listening to our podcast. Mm -hmm. We have a lot of people that just want to generally be much healthier. And if they can be a little bit faster, that's a win. But... The the big picture, 10, 15 years from now, I think most people listening to this just really want to be healthy. Yeah, I agree. But if you are an Olympian, please send us a message. Because... Yes, please do. Because <laughs> that would be really cool. And your autograph. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So that about wraps it up for today, guys. We have a challenge for you. So 
If you like what we've kind of had to say and you want to get the feel of running, we challenge you to go out for a run without your watch. And if you're like me and you like to see your statistics and everything after your run, Go ahead and wear the watch, but just change the face on the watch to just show your time so that you're not constantly looking at your watch to check your pace and your distance and your time. So just put it on the clock feature so that it just tells you the time of day and then try not to look at it. Be consciously aware not to look at the at your watch and just feel what your body feels like. Feel how your breathing is going and how your muscles are feeling and start to listen to some of those internal cues that your body is giving you and if you try it let us know about it come over and check us out on facebook or instagram and send us a little message and tell us that you tried running without your watch and let us know how it went we want to hear about it or you can always shoot us an email too so for the links to our facebook tribe instagram and our email address, head on over to our website, realliferunnerspodcast.com. Click on this episode, which is episode number 50, and you will get the show notes there with a bunch of different links for all of our different social medias. Come connect with us. Come talk to us on social media. We love to hear from you. We love to hear stories about our tribe. And come join our private Facebook group. It's so much fun in there, and everybody posts about their runs and is encouraging, and it's just a lot. It's a great community to be a part of. So check out the the website realliferunnerspodcast.com and as always thank you so much for spending this time with us and we will catch you next week if you're ready to have more fun and achieve the goals that matter to you without sacrificing the rest of your life in the process this message is for you Maybe you're feeling confused or frustrated because you're not making the progress you want, even though you're running three times per week or more. Maybe you're feeling tired or sore all the time because you're pushing harder every day trying to get better. Maybe you want to run longer, but every time you run a couple of miles, that nagging knee pain starts to act up again. Maybe you've been told that you should probably stop running so much because you're getting older, but you refuse to accept that and want to find a way to continue to improve in your 40s, 50s, and beyond. Maybe you just feel like you're winging it every day and want to start working towards a goal. You want to feel better and be able to make progress in your running as you get older. And if you're like us and the other runners we work with, you want your running to help you become stronger and more resilient in all other areas of your life too. Plus, you need something that fits in your real life that is simple, easy to understand, and effective. Don't worry, we've got you. If you're ready to transform into a strong, confident, and successful real-life runner, the Real Life Runners Academy has everything you need. It includes training plans, coaching, and programs that will teach you how to run faster, run longer, feel better, and accomplish your goals. Check it out today over at realliferunners.com forward slash academy. Enrollment will be opening soon, so be sure to join the wait list so that you can be notified when doors are open. It's time to run your life.